Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin, our number is 877 Everything we said yesterday is being repeated today, as it must be. The so-called legal analysts, a.k.a. the legal analysts, have made asses of themselves. Most of the media, once again, making asses of themselves. Even some conservative media, and I'll get to them. Then I'll get to them. Why is this witness, Cass Hutchison, considered credible? She's seen as credible. I keep hearing that. Mick Mulvaney, the former failed acting chief of staff to Donald Trump, he's all in. The many faces of Mick. He wasn't an eyewitness to anything, but don't worry. He knows everything that took place. Old Mick Mulvaney. That's fine. Saul Weisenheimer, former assistant independent counsel working for Ken Starr, he was convinced, convinced that we now have absolute evidence of culpability, culpability, that Donald Trump has committed seditious conspiracy. Wow. Based on the testimony of one person whose testimony was never challenged. Or was it? This young lady's 25 years old. Some say 26 years old. She's young. She was not a senior assistant to the President of the United States. She testified before this committee in secret four different times. You saw, those of you who watched or listened, her fifth time. Why would they need to talk to her five times? Why? Ask any real lawyer why. 
because they were wearing her down, pressing her, pressing her, pressing her many hours each time. And they got to her, in my humble opinion. She even changed lawyers, we were told. Committee told the press she changed lawyers. Why? Well, because her former lawyers were too close to Trump. Her present lawyers are not, and they were encouraging her to speak more forthrightly. Oh, okay. I see. Interesting. Why did they have to have the testimony yesterday? Because she had death threats. Which is outrageous, but what does that have to do with testifying yesterday at some emergency hearing? As any good lawyer will tell you, the reason they wanted that testimony on the public record was to lock it in as fast as they could before she might change her mind. That's why. The committee, as I speak, is in full cover-up mode, trying to do damage control, but it's still getting support at MSNBC and CNN. It's still getting support from certain legal analysts over at National Review and elsewhere. Oh, yes. They're talking to all kinds of former federal prosecutors as if they're the experts on this matter. They're not the experts on anything. Right, Saul? But she was credible, ladies and gentlemen. And the marquee issue that came out yesterday, which we discussed immediately, was this issue of what happened in the beast. And the beast, I'm told, we're told, is the name of the vehicle the president is in. Really? Oh, yes. Now, she's never been in the beast. And there's a Secret Service agent with the president and another specially trained individual who drives the car. What did I say yesterday? Even before NBC News broke the story that these Secret Service agents do not agree with the testimony given. Not just hearsay once, it's considered double hearsay. Because the Secret Service agent who spoke to Miss Hutchison, he didn't witness anything either. So what he was saying was hearsay, and what she was hearing then is considered double hearsay. But here's the problem. The Secret Service agent, who she says she overheard, he's now saying he never said it. Wow. They're all prepared to testify under oath. And the January 6th committee, including the staff, the 11 former federal prosecutors, two of whom are former U.S. attorneys, never asked the Secret Service about the information that was being provided to the committee by Ms. Hutchison. They never asked if there was any dispute between those who were actually there and her and her testimony. Now, why didn't they ask? Because they, they already knew the answer. You see, they already interviewed two of the Secret Service agents, neither of whom spoke about some physical alteration with Donald Trump in the beast. In fact, we've since learned more that Donald Trump wasn't in the beast at the time she says he was in the beast. He was in an SUV, an armored SUV. And another person has said who knows about the interior of the beast 
that it would have been impossible for Donald Trump to reach from the back to the front to grab the steering wheel, to grab the agent's arm, or to lunge at his throat. Because the vehicle isn't built that way. There's a separation between the back and the front. But don't worry. Mick Mulvaney tells us she's credible. Don't worry. Saul Weisenheimer says there's evidence of seditious conspiracy. And I'll get to some of this again. Don't worry. Now the great witness is under scrutiny. But it doesn't matter to most of the media. They're all in. It doesn't matter. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we all should have learned by now to wait when we hear people make these accusations against Trump. They always turn out to be false. The media lie. The media lie on behalf of liars. The legal analysts are mostly fools with an agenda with an agenda. We've heard endless, ridiculous allegations from Russia collusion and the dossier right up to yesterday's testimony. Five and a half years of this bullcrap. Five and a half years of dishonesty, railroading, threatening. And this is just more of it. This is more of it. So certain press are now making inquiries of the committee to explain why they didn't get a collaboration from a double hearsay witness. The committee is not answering. The communications director to Secret Service said that we have always offered any information we have, whether it be in terms of uh, documentary evidence or witnesses to the committee without objection. Why didn't the committee try and corroborate what she said? They have no idea. These agents have come out publicly. They came out publicly yesterday, and they offered themselves to give sworn testimony under penalty of perjury, which must now be done in public. Since the libel, the libel that was used to try and destroy Donald Trump was said in public. It was said in public. Here is exactly what Mick Mulvaney's favorite witness had to say yesterday. That's Cassidy Hutchinson. Cut 21, go. When you returned to the White House in the motorcade after the president's speech, where did you go? When I returned to the White House, I walked upstairs towards Chief of Staff's office. By the way... Rewind it to the front, Mr. Producer. You notice Lynn Cheney is the queen of the leading question. She already knows the answer to the question. She already knows that this is a double hearsay witness. And she already knows there's no collaboration. None. She already knows that they did not go back to the Secret Service to inquire of the accuracy of the information. And she didn't care. Now, this isn't the first time this committee has pulled such stunts. It has altered evidence. It has altered texts. It has put in place a process 
to ensure a narrative and to also ensure the lack, the lack of cross-examination, the lack of contrary evidence, the lack of contrary witnesses. It's ensured that it'll get its narrative out. It's only because brave people, patriots, come forward and say, wait a minute, it didn't happen that way. And it's only because, to be honest, I have the spine behind this microphone to raise questions. Early on in the process, early on in the testimony yesterday, right, Mr. Producer? I said, all right, I guess I'm the one. I'll challenge what's taking place. Go ahead. When you returned to the White House in the motorcade after the president's speech, where did you go? When I returned to the White House, I walked upstairs towards Chief of Staff's office, and I noticed Mr. Renato lingering outside of the office. Once we had made eye contact, he quickly waved me to go into his office, which was just across the hall from mine. When I went in, he shut the door, and I noticed... Now, Bobby I want you to listen to the explicit detail. To the explicit detail. Mr. Arnato is a Secret Service agent at the White House. Name is Anthony, Tony. He saw her and he waved her into his office. A junior staffer. Go ahead. Mr. Trump's security detail, sitting in a chair, just looking somewhat discombobulated and a little lost. Um, so here's I a look- Secret Service agent on the president's detail, looking discombobulated and a little lost. So who better to call in than Ms. Hutchison? Go ahead. And he had said, did you effing hear what happened in the Beast? I said, no, Tony, I, I just got back. What happened? Tony proceeded to tell me that When the president got in the beast, he was under the impression from Mr. Meadows that the off the record movement to the Capitol was still possible and likely to happen, but that Bobby had more information. So once the president had gotten into the vehicle with Bobby, he thought that they were going up to the Capitol. And when Bobby had relayed to him, we're not, we don't have the assets to do it. It's not secure. So the president, just the president gets into the beast, his vehicle. And he still thinks he can go to the Capitol. But he's told by the agent there, Bobby, no, you can't. I find this perplexing, don't you, Mr. Producer? Why would the president get into a vehicle thinking he can go to the Capitol, but he can't? So what did they do? Go to McDonald's? I don't understand. I really don't understand. Isn't this the kind of discussion, logically, that would occur before he gets into the beast? Now, the president has a schedule. What did the schedule say? Go ahead. For the West Wing, the president had very strong, very angry response to that. Um... Tony described him as being irate. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president. Take me up to the Capitol now. 
To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Engel. And Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. Does that make any sense to anybody? Now let's dig into this a little bit further. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Angle. And Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. The media desperately wanted to believe this. So it amplified it. It became an echo chamber for it. And so did the backstabbers who previously served Donald Trump, like Mick Mulvaney. So did the so-called legal analysts, like Saul Weisenheimer. They wanted to believe, they desperately wanted to believe, so it must be true. Despite the fact that this entire setup of this committee is fraudulent and not intended to get to the truth. I'll be right back. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. 
To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. Few conservative radio hosts are targeted with the poison, the cancer, the vile from the left as I am. Now that our dear brother Rush is gone. Very few. And this is why I call him as I see him. And I use my noggin. I said yesterday, I don't understand why she's testifying about what happened in that vehicle when you have Secret Service agents there. Why would they ask her? That's hearsay. Turns out it's double hearsay. Turns out, according to three Secret Service personnel, what she said is not accurate. In other words, she was lying. And one of the people who said that was, in fact, the person she said she spoke to who waved her into his office. From right scoop in a twist tonight, meaning last night, on the early report by NBC News, that two Secret Service agents are willing to testify under oath that the allegations made by Cassidy Hutchison regarding Trump trying to carjack the beast are completely false. Turns out that one of the agents wanting to testify against her is the one she claimed as her source. Now, you got 11 former federal prosecutors on the staff, two of whom are former U.S. attorneys, right? They now had a husband evidence. But when you don't have a proceeding that's intended to get to the truth, but you have a proceeding of a Stalinist kind, you don't want to talk to those agents. If those agents hadn't come out publicly, we still wouldn't know what we now know from this committee. This committee does not exist to get the truth. The media in this country do not exist to report the truth. Do it, does it? We have to go to Politico, not National Review. Not the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal. Not the editorial page of the Washington Examiner. We have to go to Politico. The January 6th committee didn't reach out to the Secret Service in the days before it aired explosive testimony about an alleged physical altercation between Donald Trump and his security detail on the day of the riot according to an agency spokesperson. Now, people will say, forget about that. What about the rest of it? But this is what they highlighted. And this is what was seized upon by the rhinos, by the never-Trumpers, by the legal analysts, by the media, by the Democrats. In a blockbuster, and they keep using that word, blockbuster Tuesday hearing, former Trump White House aide Cassidy Hutchison Former Trump White House aide, you see? She's very senior, don't you know? Described being told that the irate then-president was so furious, agents wouldn't drive him to the Capitol on January 6th, and that he lunged toward the head of his detail. Lunged toward him. Anthony Guglami, or Tony, the service's chief of communications, told Politico that select committee investigators did not ask Secret Service personnel 
to reappear or answer questions in writing in the 10 days before asking Hutchinson about the matter at the hearing. We were not asked to reappear before the committee in response to yesterday's new information, and we plan on formally responding on the record, he wrote in an email. We have and will continue to make any member of the Secret Service available. So they have voted to criminally charge individuals they've subpoenaed these individuals for many legitimate reasons, including this one. Have refused to appear, but here the Secret Service has had has had an open door to its agents, an open file drawer to its files. And isn't it interesting that the committee didn't want to see? Didn't even need a subpoena. Who do you want to talk to? What do you want? And the eleven former federal prosecutors working on the staff knew that they had what they wanted, and they did not want their narrative contradicted, period. <clears throat> they had double hearsay, and that was fine by them, because they knew the suckers in the media would slobber all over this, which is exactly what they did, which is why I called it out. It didn't smell right. Hutchison's attorneys, Jody Hunt, who I think became chief of staff to the former attorney general of the United States, Jeff Sessions, and William Jordan of Austin Bird issued a statement on Hutchison's behalf defending her testimony. Well, these two slip and fall lawyers, I wonder if they're obstructing justice. Were they involved in a conspiracy to provide false Testimony under oath? I'm not accusing them of that. I'm just wondering it. I wonder if their iPhones and their text messages and their emails will be confiscated by a SWAT team sent by the federal government and U.S. Attorney Graves to their homes. I wonder, do you folks? They said Ms. Hutchinson stands by all the testimony she provided yesterday under oath to the select committee. You're not kidding. It's under oath. And if she lied under oath, she must be charged. Right, judges? Right, judges in Washington, D.C.? Right, Obama appointees? Right, Biden appointees? Right, all the other judges? Isn't that right? January 6th committee members have praised Hutchison for coming forward. Folks, she didn't really come forward, as I said before. They had interviewed her for hours at a time, four different times. And she was more forthcoming, quote-unquote, when she got these two new lawyers. At least that's the argument. So what did those two new lawyers know, and when did they know it? The close of the hearing. Select panel chair, Representative Benny Hill Thompson, addressed Trump World alumni who haven't been forthcoming. Because of this courageous woman and others like her, your attempt to hide the truth from the American people will fail. Wow. Very patent-like by old Benny. What did Benny know about her testimony? Hmm? Every one of these damn committee members knew that testimony wasn't accurate. Every damn one of them. Because of this courageous woman, you see. Secret Service statement comes amid questions about two aspects of Hutchinson's testimony. The story about Trump's behavior in his presidential vehicle, which Hutchinson said was relayed to her by top White House security aide Tony Ornato, 
and are claimed to have written a note about a potential Trump statement that would have aimed to quell the January 6th violence. Oh, she wrote a note? She wrote a note. Well, did she? Yes, she said. That's my handwriting. And Liz Cheney walked her through it. You wrote this note. Yeah, oh, yes, I did. And yet Liz Cheney and every member of that committee and all these former federal prosecutors had contradictory evidence. Contradictory sworn testimony taken in secret. The testimony of Eric Hirschman, former White House attorney. Eric Hirschman saw this and he said, wait a minute, that's my note. That's my note. I wrote that note. That's my handwriting. He says through his lawyers. Hmm. So now we have two former White House officials claiming to have authored the same note. Both claiming that's their handwriting. Normally what you would do is put one next to the other in open testimony and you would confront them. But not when you have a Stalinist committee. What should this committee do? I wonder, Saul Weisenberger or Weisenheimer, what should they do? I wonder, former federal prosecutors and legal analysts out there, what do you think? Is this committee set up to get to the truth or just reinforcing your personal biases? The note pertained, as written by the Washington Examiner, oh, and I'm going to get to them, to a statement intended for former President Donald Trump to release as his supporters stormed the Capitol on January 6th. A spokesperson for Eric Hirschman, a former White House attorney, told ABC News yesterday the note was written by Hirschman on January 6th. During her testimony, Cassidy Hutchison, she said... She had written the note at the direction of Mark Meadows. That's very specific. Mark Meadows directed her to write the note. She remembers this, every detail. The problem is, Attorney Hirschman, he doesn't remember that at all. He says he wrote the note. Quote, the handwritten note that Cassidy Hutchison testified was written by her was in fact written by Eric Hirschman on January 6, 2001. Hirschman spokesman said, all sources with direct knowledge in law enforcement have and will confirm that it was written by Mr. Hirschman. Ms. Cheney presented the note at the hearing, which read, anyone who entered the Capitol without proper authority should leave immediately. And it's written on the chief of staff note card. But that's your handwriting, Ms. Hutchison, Cheney asked. To which Hutchison replied, that's my handwriting. Mm-hmm. Hirschman told the committee that he was the author of the note, according to the report. In other words, Hirschman, allegedly, apparently was asked about that note, I assume, during his testimony, his secret testimony, and said it was his note. Now, to quote the media, if this is all true, the committee knew. Liz Cheney knew. The former federal prosecutors knew, working on this committee, 
that there was a dispute about the note, but Liz Cheney still presumed to go ahead and provide as fact, as fact, a dispute between witnesses. Now the committee says, what's the big deal? We have the note. It doesn't matter who wrote it. Well, it mattered to Liz Cheney. It mattered to the committee so much that they used the note and they insisted it was written by one witness and not the other. Now, this is their top witness so far that has persuaded at least one former federal prosecutor that now we know this changes everything about Trump. This changes everything that we knew. No more defending him. And in fact, there are now criminal predicates all over the place against Trump. Because of this bombshell testimony from this very credible witness. And as Mick Mulvaney says, I know her. She's very credible. She wouldn't lie. I don't know if Mick would or not. Who am I to pass judgment? We're surrounded by slime balls, America. Slime balls. All with agendas. All pushing their narrative. But what about Donald Trump knowing, according to this now, highly suspicious witness and her testimony, that he knew that people in the crowd were armed, but he still wanted to go, and he still encouraged them to go to the Capitol. Which lays the criminal predicate to charge Trump with obstruction. Which shows that Donald Trump was in fact encouraging armed people to attack the Capitol and to go after the Vice President of the United States. More when I return. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why in Primus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty is so important. In Primus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Folks, stick with me. You know, reality makes great radio. And I don't do this for great radio. I do this because I am passionate about the truth and I am passionate about our country. And there's a good side and there's an evil side. And it's that simple. It's that simple. 
and it's becoming more apparent every day. Now, I could do this very, very fast, but I'll just say it. The statements and products have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or condition. These statements and information are not a substitute for an alternative to seeking care for your health care providers. And now with the legalese gone, I want to encourage you to get it. Newsulabs.com slash Mark, code Mark. But Mark, what about the testimony? The testimony that Trump knew that the people in the, in the crowd were armed. And he still encouraged them to go to the Capitol building. That demonstrates that none of this was a surprise. That he knew that they would be violent. That he knew that they would break into the Capitol building and threaten the lives of Capitol Hill police, members of Congress, and the Vice President of the United States. Now, I need time to address this when we return, because the legal analysts, the former federal prostitutes, I mean prosecutors, uh, they're out there saying this provides the, the criminal predicate for the hack U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C. and the hack attorney general of the United States. This provides the basis for charges of seditious conspiracy. It demonstrates culpability. There's no question about it. Besides, she's such a credible witness. She's so credible no cross-examination, no contrary witnesses, nothing. And besides, Mick Mulvaney says she's believable. And Mick would know. Wouldn't he? Mick Mulvaney would know, ladies and gentlemen. Who is he again? Yes, exactly. So we're going to dig into this. Jamie Raskin, who is a constitutional expert. His father was a red, a commie. Jamie's not... Far from the tree, if you get my drift. Just another nut off the chestnut tree. And Jamie's been on all the impeachment committees, so Jamie is very credible. One of the favorite of Nancy Eva Pelosi, who had approved every member on this committee. Imagine that. That's how we get to the truth. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 Now, ladies and gentlemen... Just a little bit of intrigue just happened. Stick with me so you'll understand what's taking place. Pat Cipollone was the White House counsel to President Trump. I believe the second White House counsel, the final White House counsel. This rogue cover-up committee, this Stalinist operation, 
just subpoenaed him to testify. Now, they hadn't subpoenaed him before. Why is that, America? Because there are many complications when you're subpoenaing a former White House counsel to a president of the United States to testify. It's just not done. Because there are Democrat presidents and there are Republican presidents. And White House counsel must be free to provide their best advice to the president of the United States. So what this committee is doing again is destroying all, all of these systems. And I wonder what the legal analysts think about this and the former federal prosecutors. The former federal prosecutors working for this committee have come up with this cockamamie idea. Now, why have they done it? Well, maybe they anticipate that the former White House counsel will have no choice but to raise a number of defenses against responding to this subpoena. Or maybe they seek to humiliate the former White House counsel who will have to plead the fifth or to assert attorney-client privilege. And then they can go out and say, we tried to get the information, but the former White House counsel wouldn't give it to us. That is Cipollone. That's why they're doing it now. If they were going to subpoena him and they really meant to subpoena him in a serious way, this committee's been operating for about a year, hasn't it, Mr. Producer, give or take? They could have subpoenaed him a long time ago. So they're trying to distract. This is all about TV. This is all about the propagandists in the media carrying their water. That's why it was leaked to CNN or somebody else, favorable media. Breaking news. Breaking news. That the former White House counsel has been subpoenaed. We want to get to the bottom of this stuff. But they didn't subpoena him before all this testimony, did they? So this likely will raise a number of legal and constitutional issues if Pat Cipollini is serious about his past position, and I think he is, which will be spun into a cover-up, an obstruction. Or maybe he'll just decide the hell with it. I will testify. But at a minimum, you would expect some kind of negotiation to narrow the kinds of questions they would ask a former White House counsel to the President of the United States. But it does create all these issues, the context of which and the complications of which will never be reported by the media. They're being given a narrative, or they will concoct a narrative, and they will use that narrative. Right, Peter Baker? Right, Phil Bump? Right, Maggie Haberman? Right, Michael, what's the guy's name? Schnitz or Schmitz or whatever that guy's name is? So many frauds, so little time to identify them all. Back to one, Jamie Raskin on MSNBC yesterday, MSLSD. And this is what they hope will lay the foundation. Cut two, go. Today was indeed um, a, a huge breakthrough in terms of our understanding of events because uh, Cassidy Hutchinson, who Let's stop displayed. Right there. Why did they have a breakthrough? 
Why was there a breakthrough? They they had questioned her four times before, but suddenly they have a breakthrough. Suddenly she has a change of lawyers. I have a question for the United States Attorney, Mr. Graves, and his prosecutors. Did members of the January 6th committee or did staff members to the committee coach this witness or coach any other witnesses and obstruct an official proceeding, their own proceeding, in the sense that they ensured that we wouldn't get the truth, but we would get a narrative? Did any members of this committee communicate with these witnesses before they testified? Isn't that what Donald Trump and his office is being accused of, Mr. Producer? Did any of the members of this committee or any of the staff on this committee, including the former federal prosecutors, did they contact any of the witnesses and go over their testimony with them? That is my question. And I want to know if the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C. is concerned about that or even looking into it. Yes or no. Yes or no. And all of these individuals, the members and their staffers, should be subject to sworn testimony when and, God willing, if the Republicans take hold of the House. You should be on notice not to destroy any of your records, any of your text messages. Do not delete any of your emails. You maintain all your notes and all your records from every interview. All your communications with the witnesses during the entire period this committee has been in session. Same with the members on this committee. You should retain all of your information. That includes phone logs. Because the Republicans may want to call a thousand witnesses. As a matter of fact, they may want to call a thousand and one. The former speaker, Broomhilda. What did she know and when did she know it? Back to Jamie Raskin. Go. There's a lot of character coming before the committee today, uh, demolished any pretense that uh, the savage mob violence that came out of that crowd and that uh, eventuated in the storming of the Capitol somehow took uh, Donald Trump by surprise. I mean, he was. Perfectly- right, let's stop there. Mr. Producer checked at my request, not a single Democrat on this committee Not one has issued a statement about the assassination threat against Kavanaugh. Isn't that correct, Mr. Producer? Not a single statement on their websites. Not one. From these seven bastards. I mean, seven Democrats. Now, Mr. Producer, you also checked the two Republicans. Is that correct? Not a single statement from Kingsinger or Dizzy Lizzy on their official webpages denouncing the threat of an assassination attempt against Kavanaugh. That means of the nine members of the committee, all nine did not post a statement condemning the threat. The threat, the real threat from this would-be assassin who literally carried many weapons in his little bag of goodies. And their leader, Nancy Pelosi, hasn't either. But they're very worried, you see, 
about Donald Trump. Apparently there was a secret signal, maybe a hand signal, to encourage people to violently enter the Capitol building and to kill people, especially the vice president. Right? And so Mr. Raskin, who wants Donald Trump in prison, because he and his father both commies, He's been on the impeachment committees. He's a radical kook, but he's not alone. Look at the whole lineup on this committee. Demolished any pretense that the savage mob violence that came out of that crowd and that eventuated in the storming of the Capitol somehow took Donald Trump by surprise. So we have a witness who's destroyed her credibility on basic information which she provides an enormous, exquisite detail, just happens to be false. It says Donald Trump knew those people in the crowd were armed and he wanted to go anyway. And from that, Mr. Raskin and the other rabble, the other comrades, take from that that Donald Trump knew they were armed and that's why he wanted them to go to the Capitol building. Now there's a couple problems with this, ladies and gentlemen. The timing is one. I thought, Mr. Producer, that he wanted all the people to come into the protest, that according to her testimony, he said, let them all in, and that he was told that some are armed, and he said, let them in anyway. Some are armed, but let them in anyway. This is January 6th. That the president knew in advance that there were threats of violence was her testimony. He knew in advance. How do you answer that, ladies and gentlemen? That testimony doesn't condemn Donald Trump. First of all, the person who's responsible for securing the Capitol building isn't Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump obviously knew there was a threat, potentially, to the security of the building. He didn't know from whom or from where. Because it was Donald Trump two days before who, on his own, in front of five first-hand witnesses, offered the National Guard to the mayor of Washington, to the speaker of the house, and to the majority leader of the Senate. They didn't bring it up to him, he brought it up to them. 20,000 armed military personnel, he offered it to them. They didn't take it. Why did Nancy Pelosi, who had to know that there was a threat to the Capitol building, the FBI knew, the Secret Service knew, who else knew? The Capitol Police knew, because they turned down the offer of the National Guard. They report to Pelosi. Why did she turn down the National Guard? We don't know. Nobody's asked her. Not a reporter, 
not a janitor, not an intern, none of the 11 federal prosecutors on the January 6th committee. They're not even curious. Not Dizzy Lizzie or Head Case Kingsinger. Not the seven radical kooks, the Democrats. Not one of Nancy Pelosi's stooges on that committee wants to know, which is why they're on that committee. Isn't that the $64,000, or in this case, $64 million question? Why so far has there been no testimony whatsoever provided in public, even though it's been provided in secret behind the scenes by Cash Patel and others? He was on this program. He was on Life, Liberty, and Levin months and months and months ago where he first revealed it, that he... And the acting secretary of defense, who has also testified under oath in closed door sessions with this committee, that they offered the National Guard to Nancy Pelosi, to the Capitol law enforcement authorities, and it was turned down. How come none of that testimony has been presented in public in any of these series of dramatic sessions? Because it completely undermines the idea of an insurrection. Donald Trump is going to offer armed army personnel, marine personnel, up to 20,000. And yet he's conspiring the next shoe to drop is with the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers to lead an insurrection against the Capitol building? And he waited 187 minutes to condemn them. Oh, my God. We have waited a month for the members of this committee to condemn the would-be assassin who came to Washington, D.C. to kill a cabinet, excuse me, a Supreme Court justice. We waited a month. That's a lot more than 187 minutes. And they still urge on their mob, their violent mob, threatening Supreme Court justices. Only the originalists, mind you, not the left. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. There's more to come. Right, Saul? Right, Mick? Oh, yeah. When we come back, I want you to hear a little bit more. I'll be right back. Mark in. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest. I was nervous at first, thinking... Well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand, the 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. 
The members of this committee and their staff, including the 11 former federal prosecutors, are cowards. They don't even have faith in this so-called case that they're presenting. They don't even have faith in it because they don't want anyone to be able to challenge it. Ladies and gentlemen, I've said over and over again on Fox, on Levin TV, behind this microphone, you're learning nothing from this committee because none of it's been tested. None of it. It doesn't matter if somebody says, I found Ms. Hutchison's testimony to be credible. Who cares? Or a former flack turned backstabber like old Mick Mulvaney finds her to be credible. Who cares? I don't even find him to be credible. Or a former federal prosecutor under Ken Starr finds culpability for a seditious conspiracy with nothing more. To indict the president of the United States, he watched TV. He said he watched TV. He knows. Who cares what the hell he thinks? We're surrounded by these nitwits, these screwballs, these pretentious buffoons who pretend they know something. They know nothing. We know nothing. Nothing. We know nothing. Because of the way this process was set up. It was set up so a Cassie Hutchison would go unchallenged. It was set up to cherry pick quote unquote evidence. It was set up so they wouldn't get to the truth. They get to their narrative. It was set up to attack fellow Republican members of Congress. It was set up to smear individuals that they don't like. It was set up to set up Donald Trump. And whether you like him or not, or whether you agree with him or not, is not the point. I'll be right back. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first, thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Don't ask him for middle ground. There is no middle ground. Talk with Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. Chris Wallace used to be at NBC, used to be at Fox. Now he's at CNN. Next he'll be on airport radar because that's about where he deserves in my humble opinion. But he was excited by Cassidy Hutchison's testimony, like all the other media. As they put aside their 
their journalistic curiosity, which they lost a long time ago for their ideology. Chris Wallace on CNN yesterday, cut six, go. Can we talk about Cassidy Hutchinson? First of all, I, and I bow to, <laughs> particularly to you, Andy, as uh, somebody involved in prosecutions, she was a great witness. She was absolutely precise. She told you, I mean, if she heard an, overheard a conversation, she'd say, Cipollone went in the room, he left the door open, he was standing in the transom, I was talking, you know, I could hear. uh, When when I went into the uh, dining room, I stepped back, but the door was open, I could see Mark Meadows, but in the background I could hear what Trump and Cipollone were saying. She was just brilliant, And, and really what you're all saying is, that to a degree that nobody has up till now, really nobody in all, think of all the books we've read, by all these great investigative reporters, none of them ever had the scene inside the beast, right? Mm. So there are some secrets still out there. But she connected the dots more than anybody has between Giuliani on January 2nd talking about, well, there's going to be violence. And then she talks to Meadows and Meadows says it's going to be real, real bad. And then Cipollone comes in and then Trump's knowledge. And, and, and you know, she just connects the dots. I think he's wetting himself, Mr. Producer. No, he is a thrill down his leg. Drip, drip, drip. That's why Chris Wallace is at CNN. He fits in very, very well over there. He thought she was very credible, too. He's ready to personally arrest Donald Trump and put him in prison. Again, the entire nature of this committee is repulsive. It's unconscionable. The complete lack of truth and justice pursuing processes is appalling. So to sit here like a phony journalist and gobble it all up and then regurgitate it and then say how brilliant and all the rest of this. Now he looks like a damn fool today as he has so often and he's not the only one. And he's not the only one. This is the Russia collusion crowd. This is the dossier crowd. This is the Trump is going to be indicted by Mueller crowd. And go down the long, long, long list of allegations from the past and how credible the people were who made the... Oh my God, they're so credible. I mean, they're under oath. They wouldn't lie, would they? They they have no axe to grind, do they? And they do that with the books, too. And, of course, then they bring out Sacco and Vansetti, a.k.a. Woodward and Bernstein. Always there. Oh, and then they brought out even John Dean, because John Dean now has credibility. I believe they were on the Constipated News Network. There they were, all three. The Three Stooges. To tell us this is worse than Watergate for the 4,000th time. This is is worse than Watergate. And she was unbelievable. She's unbelievable. Just fantastic. Unbelievable. When's he going to be indicted? Mr. Former Federal Prosecutor, when is he going to be indicted? Well, they have enough evidence now to go forward, I would contend. and, And this is really unbelievable. This changes everything. It'll never be the same again, you know. And, uh... 
And uh, yeah, I understand. Yeah, there's not another side, but don't worry about it. Listen for me. Why would she? You know, why? Why would she be wrong? Why would her testimony be false? I mean, after all, I mean, and we've never had such a brilliant witness in the history of witnesses. We've never seen anything like this before. I was on Hannity last night. I hope some of you were able to watch. And I'd had about enough of this. It went something like this. Cut one, go. This committee's filled with these bastards on this committee and these phony former federal prosecutors behind the scenes. You know why this woman testified today the way she testified today, in my opinion? This was her fifth interview. They had her behind the scenes for four interviews. They wore her down, in my view. She changed lawyers. They said she had to testify today because of death threats. She what? She couldn't testify last week or the week after that. This committee is a farce. It is a Stalinist committee. I want to tell Kevin McCarthy and the Republican leadership, you need to put out the uh, the equivalent of a protective order right now and let Nancy Pelosi know. And this Benny Hill Thompson, who runs the committee and Dizzy Lizzie, and you need to tell them right now they are to preserve all the records that this committee and the staff has pulled together, whether it's text, emails, documents, phone records. And while we're at it, they need to preserve their own texts, emails, documents and phone records. And they need to tell Nancy Pelosi to preserve hers and Steny Hoyer, too, and their staffs. Because this is the greatest, well, Russia collusion was the greatest. This is the second biggest farce against the American people. They bring this woman up to testify. She's about 25 years old. Among other things, what does she say? That the president knew that there were going to be threats. The president knew that people might be armed. The president knew there might be violence. Yeah, which is exactly why the president offered the National Guard on January 4th, according to five eyewitnesses, of which she wasn't one. And it was turned down by Nancy Pelosi. It was turned down by Chuck Schumer. We have a thousand witnesses. How about a thousand and one? Nancy Pelosi. But no, this committee's filled with stooges for Nancy Pelosi. No questions for her. If they knew there might be violence, she knew. So why did she do why she, what she did what she did? Because she called them stormtroopers a month before or two months before. Here's another piece of information that this committee has that they haven't reported. How do I know? Because of Cash Cattell, your same guest. He said in November, right after the election, Donald Trump authorized the transition to the Biden camp, uh, uh, administration from the Trump administration in the Department of Justice. Department and of Cash Defense. Was in charge of debriefing scores and scores of Biden people who they assume will come in. Now, if you're plotting an insurrection with the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, you not only do not offer 20,000 armed military to protect the Capitol, you also do not participate in a transition period and order the Department of Defense to work with the Biden people. They have no evidence for any of this committee's come up with nothing, despite the fact it's all one way. And I want to encourage networks all over the country, who I'm sure will listen to me, fire your legal analysts, fire them. There's too damn many former federal prosecutors. This isn't about a federal prosecution. These legal guys, they keep coming on. They know nothing about the Constitution. A president, a candidate 
has the right to lobby and lobby the state legislature if he or she believes that the electors should be for them. It's a political process protected by the Constitution. They have a right to litigate. They have a right, ask Al Gore. They have a right to make allegations. They haven't called a single Democrat official before this committee who violated Article Two of the federal Constitution and changed the election laws because of hundreds of lawsuits brought by the Democrat Party before the election. We can even put aside ballot boxes and all the rest. They changed the laws. Now, you know, the Supreme Court under William Rehnquist put an end to that with the Florida Supreme Court. But under Roberts, they didn't stop the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. They're trying to criminalize a political process. Meanwhile, we have this hack U.S. attorney in Washington. What are you going to do? Take my iPhone next, Mr. Graves? Go after Eastman? Go after another guy? You have attorney-client privileged information there. This committee has violated due process. This committee is withholding evidence. This committee is withholding exculpatory witnesses. You have a U.S. attorney who's violating attorney-client privilege and confidentiality. And then you have a U.S. attorney who what? Oh, we're talking about, oh, I want to read you something before I go. Here is Saul Weisenheimer, whatever his name is, quoted by the New York Times, Peter Baker. Did Trump commit a crime? This is the smoking gun testimony today, says Saul Weisenheimer, former deputy to Ken Starr. There isn't any question this establishes a prima facie case for his criminal culpability on seditious conspiracy charges. Is this guy a schmuck? doesn't establish any culpability for anything. The two Secret Service agents in the car just said the testimony your young lady gave was false. But Mark, live now, Trump knew that people were armed. And he still wanted them to come to the protest. So? And how did he know they were armed? And if authorities knew they were armed, why weren't they arrested on the spot? Washington, D.C. is some of the toughest gun laws in the free and unfree world. What do they want Trump to do about it? If law enforcement is aware of it, why didn't they charge these people? This is one of the arguments we always make. We don't need new laws. Enforce the old ones. But was he aware there was an army of people who were armed, who were going to storm the building? You have to have what's called mens rea. You know what mens rea is, Mr. Producer? Yes. You have to have some kind of intent. Mental knowledge and intent. That A and B will cause C. I also notice in some of the reports they continue to edit what Trump actually said because they must. When Trump says, go peacefully and patriotically. So you have to ignore what he actually said. You have to ignore his offer of the National Guard, 20,000. You have to ignore his direction to the Department of Defense to begin the the transition period after the election between the Trump and Biden people. You have to ignore all of that in order to come up with this cockamamie idea that Trump 
had knowledge and in fact was committing these offenses. And then it's he waited 187 minutes to put out a video. And that proves what exactly? He had to be lobbied by Cipollone, by so many people, by a note that we don't even know who wrote it. Please, Mr. President, tell them to stop. Please. We've got texts that we stole from Sean Hannity. He says, Please, tell them to stop. Stop, please, everybody. Stop. Stop up. Tell them, Mr. President, tell them to stop. And he does. Oh, he waited too long. He waited 187 minutes. For God's sakes. He waited 187 minutes. While today, our streets are under attack by Democrats. While 2020, our streets were under attack by Democrats. Raskin didn't say a damn thing. Benny Hill Thompson didn't say a damn thing. Nancy Pelosi accused the cops of being stormtroopers. So did James Clyburn. We don't need lectures from these bastards. They're the ones who are violent and encourage violence. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Now, when Hutchison testifies and says that somebody came to the president and told him these people are armed, how did they know that? And if... They knew it, then Nancy Pelosi knew it. So it raises that question. So her testimony is damning, not of Trump, but Nancy Pelosi. But who else? The acting attorney general, the acting deputy attorney general, and the others at the senior levels of the Department of Justice. I believe the acting attorney general Rosen, this guy McDonough. Were they informed about this? If they were not informed about this by staff, why not? If they were informed about it, what did they do about it? Now, those men testified under oath in public, but apparently the former federal prosecutors, who know a hell of a lot more than I do in terms of gathering information, didn't think this was important enough to question them, either behind the scenes, apparently, or in public, about what the Department of Justice knew, if these people were armed, or what did the FBI know. A lot of people apparently knew, so they tell the President of the United States when he wants people to come in, because he wants a big crowd to protest the, uh, the election. Like somehow he's personally responsible. Did the acting attorney general, did the acting deputy attorney general, or any other top official of justice know? And if not, why not? Did the head of the FBI know? And if not, why not? And what did they do about it? What did they do about 
I have a thousand questions, but of course they can't be asked. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution. Against all freedom-loving Americans. So, you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492. 800-630-1492 or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now. 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492 or visit SwissAmerica.com. Is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 You know, I hope I'm really wrong about this, but don't be surprised if one day you don't hear me on this radio station or that radio station or whatever. Don't be surprised. With endless preemptions or you chop off an hour here or there. Oh, but we have to, you know. Local coverage. But don't be fooled by this. I'm a little too hot, if you will, for some of the corporatists and their platforms. Just a little too hot for them. Because they're woke. The corporatists are woke. Either out of their own ideology or out of pressure. This show, which seeks to bring you the truth... Every evening, rationally, yet passionately, is a threat to them. I predict here, and I don't make predictions, that day will come. 
But don't worry, I don't roll over and play dead. Kerry Pickett and Joseph Clark at the Washington Times. Representative Louis Gomer called on the January 6th Select Committee to release the full deposition of former White House aide Cassidy Hutchison, in which she claimed that Mr. Gomer and other Republican lawmakers sought presidential pardons in late 2020. He flatly denies seeking a pardon for himself. Mr. Gomert said he made several pardon requests for U.S. service members whom he says were wrongfully convicted of crimes while deployed in war zones. But he never, never made a request for himself. Why don't they release the full transcripts? As a matter of fact, Louis on to something. As I keep saying, she was forced to testify four times, the fifth time being publicly. Why? Because they were pressuring her. Why can't we see all these transcripts, raw transcripts, and see them now? Why are not at least conservative media calling for them? Mark Meadows, Ruli Giuliani deny asking for pardons for themselves. Both men say that's absolutely false. And yet this was another big reveal at the emergency committee hearing. Big reveal. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. I'm looking, looking, looking here for something that was put together on the opinion page of the Washington Examiner. See if I can find this, Mr. Producer. What the hell did I do with this? So many documents, so little time. Well, I guess I'll have to pull it up because I can't find it. Well, here it is. It's right here. Washington Examiner obviously has some new executives. And I'm not fond of these unsigned editorials, these corporate editorials. But here's the editorial that was put out at 12.01 a.m. Trump proven unfit for power again. Former White House aide Cassidy Hutchison's Tuesday testimony ought to ring the death knell for former President Donald Trump's political career. Trump is unfit to be anywhere near power ever again. This is what we get out of conservative newspapers. Hutchison's resume alone should establish her credibility. So again, without any challenge... She's credible. Why wouldn't she be? The 25-year-old had already worked at the highest levels of conservative Republican politics, including in the offices of Senator Ted Cruz and House Minority Whip Steve Scalise, before becoming a top aide for former Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. So far, none of this has anything to do with anything. In short, Hutchison was a conservative Trumpist, true believer. And a tremendously credible one at that. They never heard of her before. Nobody had. And they don't even mention how many times this committee worked her over. But let's continue. She did not overstate things. She did not overstate things. Really? Now by... 12 a.m. this morning, 
surely they had to know of the credibility issues. And they still pressed the button and published this editorial. Did not seem to be seeking attention. It was very precise about how and why she knew what she related and about which testimony was firsthand and which was secondhand, but able to be corroborated. Corroborated. What Hutchison relayed was disturbing. She gave believable accounts of White House awareness that the planned January 6th rally could turn violent. She repeated testimony that Trump not only knew that then-Vice President Mike Pence's life had been credibly threatened that day, but also that he was somewhere between uncaring and actually approving of Pence's danger. This one person's testimony. She also told in detail that Trump repeatedly insisted that he himself should join his supporters at the Capitol, even after being informed the crowd contained an armed elements that it was breaching the perimeter against an undermanned U.S. Capitol Police Force. Also distressing to hear were Hutchison's accounts of Trump's repeated fits of rage, including dining table contents overturned and ketchup dishes thrown violently across the room. The worst by far, though, was that people immediately returning from being with Trump in the presidential vehicle told of the president trying to grab the wheel of the car to force it to be driven to the Capitol and then violently reaching for the neck of Secret Service agent Bobby Engel, who headed the president's protective detail. Why are any of these people still with this newspaper? This was the worst by far, they say. Did they call the Secret Service to corroborate what Ms. Hutchison had said about what was worse by far? No, they didn't. They took it on her word because she was credible. Is she credible now, now that three Secret Service agents have come forward and insist on testifying under oath that it didn't happen? What will the Washington Examiner say now? And in their editorial, which is relatively concise, just like the January 6th committee, they don't put out any information about how illogical and irrational some of these allegations are, given it was Trump who offered the National Guard, and given that it was Trump, as we revealed by asking simple questions. Kash Patel, who directed the Department of Defense to begin the transition from Trump to Biden. Hutchison's testimony, they write, confirmed a damning portrayal of Trump as unstable, unmoored, and absolutely heedless of his sworn duty to effectuate a peaceful transition of presidential power. Considering the entirety of her testimony, it's unsurprising that Hutchison said she heard serious discussion of cabinet members invoking the 25th Amendment that would have at least temporarily evicted Trump from office. The 25th Amendment doesn't work. That's my conclusion. It can't work and it doesn't work. And I don't know who was discussing what. But the fact that this young lady seemed to hear everything and know everything at the highest levels of government 
that in and of itself, if you're a serious reporter or lawyer, would seem very, very skeptical. I'd be very skeptical about it, but not them. Trump is a disgrace, they say. Republicans have far better options to lead the party in 2024. No one should think otherwise, much less support him ever again. There you go. Are you persuaded? I'm persuaded that the Washington Examiner is just another crap newspaper. They could have reached this decision without all the propaganda. They could have reached this decision if they actually looked into some of these allegations. As apparently NBC News did, as apparently Politico did, and other left-wing outlets, but not the Washington Examiner. They had written their editorial, and they were ready to push that button. They didn't even get the facts right. They didn't even mention the Secret Service agents almost immediately objecting to what was said about them. Or the idiocy of the idea that Trump would be in a wrestling match for control over his car. Or even look at the video clip that shows he wasn't even in that car. He was in a in an SUV. No, no, that was too far of a bridge for the Washington Examiner to go. Other than Paul Bedard, who's a real reporter, you will never hear me read from the Washington Examiner again. It's not because they take a position I disagree with. It's because they're just sloppy and cowardly. Sloppy and cowardly. Reach a conclusion in your editorial, but at least do it in a rational, factual way. You sound like Joe Scarborough on AOC. They're shooting out of your butt. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. You know, folks, as somebody who has spent a lifetime studying history, studying civilizations, forms of government, studying our our country, its establishment, its history, studying the media, Marxism, I fear for what's happening here. The totalitarianism is growing. The power of the federal government is growing. The inequality, I'm not talking about race, the ideological inequality is being criminalized. The The use of law to destroy the legitimacy of the law is moving towards an apex.
crimes are being concocted. Criminal statutes are being stretched. Citizens are being targeted because of who they are, what they believe. Certain people can protest violently. Certain people can't even protest. Certain presidents can abuse the Constitution ten times before breakfast. Other presidents who don't are threatened with impeachment, impeached, and have special counsel appointed. I watch what's going on here, and my great fear is that with the prodding of this Stalinist committee, and the push with the Pravda media in America, And the political ideological partisans that run our justice system right now, from the U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C. to the Attorney General's Office, who targeted parents and others. That these fools will be arrogant enough to actually indict a former president with phony, nebulous charges by stretching the limits of federal criminal statutes that have no application and never intended to have an application to what it is they are trying to do. And what they are trying to do, whether you support Trump, whether you support somebody else in the Republican Party, is beside the point is trying to determine the outcome of the next presidential election, who the Republicans nominate and who they don't. Even more, what they're trying to do is create fear among you. You better not show up at protests because if a couple of nutjobs get violent, even if you're a half mile away from them, it will affect you. You will be hunted down. You will lose your job. It'll be a scarlet letter on your forehead for the rest of your life. Family and friends will turn against you forever. What's taking place in Washington is like nothing we've ever seen, ever. The exploitation of the events of January 6th. This committee's conduct is utterly unconstitutional. It's seizure of records, it's threats against former administration officials. They literally seek to put former Trump officials in prison for not complying with their Stalinist demands. With the help of a U.S. attorney who is a political hack and has always been a political hack, under the tutelage of an attorney general who's a political hack and will do whatever it is that is demanded of him from the hard left, the media, and the White House. Should they indict a former president? I fear what could happen. I fear right now. And the media just so blithely 
just so matter-of-factly talk about indicting Trump, former federal prosecutors, so casually talk about seditious conspiracy and culpability and obstruction, that of course they need to bring charges against Trump. In a city that voted 92% for Joe Biden. 92% for Joe Biden. With the backing of a media. That is at least 90% Democrat and 100% radical. I fear greatly for what's happened and what might happen. I'll be right back. This is the Ministry of Truth. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Why was uh, Peter Navarro put in handcuffs and like... What do they call them? Leg uh, chains? Why? Why was Clark, one of the former senior officials at the Department of Justice, forcibly removed from his home in his pajamas and forced to stand in the street for two and a half hours while 12 agents went into his house collecting electronic devices? Why was John Eastman confronted outside a restaurant and forced to turn over his phone even before he received the warrant and without the attachment that actually explained what those federal officials had a right to take and what the underlying crime was? Why? Why is Steve Bannon fighting for his freedom? Because he asserts what are traditional constitutional protections, but they're completely steamrolled in a court in Washington, D.C. Why does attorney-client privilege not apply to the lawyers who advise the Trump campaign and President Trump and others? Why? Why was there a jury with three jurors who had donated to the Clinton campaign, one juror who had donated to the AOC campaign, a fifth juror whose daughter was on the same athletic team as the defendant, Michael Sussman, in front of a lawyer appointed by Obama who was friends with the defendant 20 years earlier, as they work together at the Department of Justice. Why? Why is there a committee of Congress like no committee in the history of the United States that functions without any checks and balances, that is staffed with 11 former federal prosecutors, including two former U.S. attorneys, who are free to threaten Individuals who refuse to appear before them in secret, compelled to give testimony, or compelled to plead the fifth 
for which they are later ridiculed in public. Why? What's going on here, ladies and gentlemen? How is it that the leadership of the Democrat Party in Congress says not one word about an assassination plot against a Supreme Court justice? Not a word. How was it that the media the next day after the threat, including the New York Times, didn't say a word either? Ginny Thomas is the wife of one of the most brilliant men to ever serve on the Supreme Court, Clarence Thomas. And the Democrat Party tried to destroy Clarence Thomas, including Joe Biden, Ted Kennedy, and the other sleazeballs dressed up as senators. Because here was a black man who grew up in poverty, abject poverty, was raised by his grandparents, who went into college as a Marxist and came out of college as a patriot. who served in the George H.W. Bush administration as chairman of the EEOC, who had served on the staff of a prominent senator from Missouri. Ah, but they found a witness, don't they always? Who made these horrific, outlandish accusations against him. Just as they always find one or two witnesses to do exactly that. Whether it's Kavanaugh, whether it's Trump. And they constantly slime Clarence Thomas. But even more now, they've targeted his wife. The Democrats like to talk about promoting interracial marriage, they like to talk about civil rights. And here's a man. And Clarence Thomas, who's accomplished so much, and he's married to a white woman. They live interracial marriage. But for them, it is an unspoken, unspoken evil. Because Clarence Thomas and his wife believe in America. And for that, they're to be destroyed. Destroyed. To whom is Sotomayor married? I don't know. I didn't bother to look. I don't even know if she is married. To whom is Elena Kagan married? I know she's not married. What's going on there? I don't even care. Maybe nothing. Breyer, who's retiring tomorrow? Nobody knows. And we go down the list, don't we? But Ginny Thomas is to be smeared. One, she's married to Clarence Thomas. Two, it's an interracial marriage. Three, she's an activist. For liberty. An independent woman, you might say. But we can't have that. She was a Kennedy. That would be different. Her name were Caroline Kennedy. That would be different. 
If her cause was abortion on demand, that would be different. If she is president of Planned Parenthood, that would be different. If she were a supporter of Black Lives Matter, that would be different. But she's not. She loves the country. So she must be destroyed. And what better mechanism than this committee? This Stalinist, this committee actually reminds me of the French Revolution. With the off with their head crowd. Where the guillotine was working 24-7. People who weren't pure enough. People who didn't abide by the French Revolution, a populist revolution that was trying to change society. Not change the government per se, change the entirety of society. So different from the American Revolution. They needed to be eliminated. They had 10 years of terror in that country. They talk about blood flowing through the streets. Well, that's the equivalent of this, isn't it? It's also the equivalent of Marxism. Tristan Justice, writing at the Federalist, exclusive. Ginny Thomas demands context from the January 6th panel before she cooperate with the hostile probe. Have you ever heard of a committee calling the spouse of a Supreme Court justice to testify? Did she commit some kind of crime? Was she embezzling funds? Did she rob a bank? Did she blow up a building? What exactly? What exactly is the purpose of this hearing? Will they leak her testimony and cherry pick it? What about her text messages to and from her husband? And her emails to and from her husband? What about those? What about it? Why does this committee know, need to know about her politics? Or anybody's politics? Or anybody's communications? Any of them? So Tristan Justice writes, Ginny Thomas, a prominent conservative activist who's also married to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, is demanding that the House Select Committee on January 6th elaborate on its basis for soliciting testimony over privately petitioning her own government. Hours after the January 6th committee wrapped up its sixth hearing on Tuesday, Ginny's attorney, Mark Paoletta, who we had on the show, who's written a book on Clarence Thomas, a superb book, sent a letter to the panel's leadership requesting specifics on why the probe, with an open animosity for the Thomas family, seeks to publicly drag his client before lawmakers. Just as Thomas is eager to clear her name and is willing to appear before the committee to do so, Paoletta wrote to Chairman Benny Thompson and the Vice Chair Liz Cheney, however... Based on my understanding of the communications that spurred the committee's request, I do not understand the need to speak with her. In March, Ginny became the center of a fabricated controversy related to the January 6th committee's investigation. When this panel leaked a series of private text messages with former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, and the messages, 29 in all, revealed a conservative activist pleading with a government official to continue investigating allegations of election fraud in the pandemic-era contest, which included record-level turnout in the form of mail-in voting that was ripe for misconduct. How dare she legally, constitutionally petition her government? We can't have that. 
Committee members escalated their efforts to compel her testimony earlier this month after more private communications were revealed, that is leaked, with individuals involved in former President Trump's efforts to halt certification of the 2020 election, something the Democrats do every election cycle. Thompson told Axios, his colleagues on the panel, think it's time that we, at some point, invite her, that is Thomas, to speak to the committee. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. By the way, the chairman of this committee, Benny Hill Thompson, in 2014, called Clarence Thomas and Uncle Tom in a speech to the n- new nation of Islam, which believes intermarriage or race mixing should be prohibited. So that's the kind of chairman we have on this committee. And by the way, Samuel L. Jackass out there keeps promoting credit cards and everything else. Folks, anything Samuel L. Jackass supports, you should not give your money to. He's a radical left-wing jackass and a lousy actor to boot. And good job over there at the Drudge Report. You destroyed your brand. You're just another media punk. Basically regurgitating what the Democrats and the government tell you. I remember when you were a class act. I remember when you were a true radical. Now, you're worse than the rest. I guess you're really into all the social scenes now, huh? You and your buddy, Ann. It's too bad. What a shameless joke you've become. I have so much stuff with me today. It's absolutely unbelievable. And the sad thing is I'm not going to get to all of it. And that's why I say I need more time. I want to continue with this piece. The panel's request of Ginny Thomas focuses on her communications with attorney and law professor John Eastman. They're turning John Eastman into uh, John Gotti, who produced legal theories to justify delays in certification of the Electoral College. The extent of the Paris conduct, however, excuse me, the extent of the Paris contact, however, as outlined by attorney Paletta, stretches to generic emails forwarded by Ginny on a large distribution list and an invitation to speak to a group of conservative activists, a type of event Ginny organizes regularly. Not a single document shows any coordination between Mrs. Thomas and Mr. Eastman, Pauletta wrote. He also outlined skepticism that the committee was operating in good faith. Its desire to bring Ginny before lawmakers, considering her husband is among the most targeted members of the Supreme Court. And as I said, the chairman of this committee, Benny Thompson, called Clarence Thomas Uncle Tom in 2014 in a speech with the new nation of Islam, which believes, quote, intermarriage or race mixing should be prohibited. What a sleazeball. Quote, Thomas doesn't like black people and he doesn't like being black. Benny Thompson said to the new nation of Islam, These statements by the committee's chairman certainly raise alarm bells when the committee says that it wants to speak to Mrs. Thomas. Pauletta wrote, This is a committee of reprobates, miscreants, and malcontents doing enormous damage to this country. 
And I'm sorry I had to spend the whole damn show on it, but if I don't, who will? Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, our trucker brothers and sisters, and the people in Ukraine who are being slaughtered and raped and abused by Putin. Putin. 